What up, dog? Welcome to the Fatboy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hey, welcome to Fatboy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC, and of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, today, we got a uh, a good one for you. Uh, somebody that you've heard both of us talk about. We've already done a podcast uh, on him, but uh, a person that, you know, we revere highly in the world of uh, MMA, And he recently had a fight, and it it sparked the question, is he back? And the fighter I'm talking about is Jose Aldo, and he just recently fought Pedro Munoz and uh, looked really good in that fight at 135. And it starts sparking conversations. Is the old Aldo back? What's going on? Can he make a title run? And so, of course, I messaged Locke and said, you know, this would be a great one. Uh, you know, for the podcast. So I, I shot him over a couple of thoughts, you know, talking points that I wanted to, you know, talk around. But in general, this is just going to be a free conversation of us um, kind of talking about Aldo, whatever comes up, his career, uh, but mainly, you know, kind of having a conversation around whether he's back and what he can do at 135 moving forward. So um, I actually want to kick it off to you Locke. so you know I, I know i shot you a couple possible bullet points and uh from there i want to see just what your thoughts were even if you just start off with your thoughts about the fight so it was definitely a good fight and he did look impressive but before we get into that one you are kind of an aldo fanboy right absolutely Okay, so I just wanted to make sure that this whole conversation is prefaced with the fact that you're a big fan. So looking decent in a decision victory is enough to be like, you know what? He could be back. Let's talk about it. Aldo fan from the WEC days. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's the first thing I thought. I didn't want to mention that when he sent me the text. I'm like, of, of course, Aldo looked good in the fight. And he's like, you know what? We're covering him. Let's do it. You got to remember who you're talking to, though. My my outlook may surprise you. I am the guy that when I really, really like a fighter and I feel like they're past their prime, you know, I, I hate to see people ruin a legacy. And more so than that, I hate to see people just start taking a lot of damage late in their careers, especially because, you know, they're just good enough to still beat all of the C-level fighters and most of the B-plus fighters, and even some A-minus fighters, but that creme de la creme, that top, they usually just can't find their way really to any type of title run again. And so, and they fight, you know, the newer, better versions of themselves, and it usually doesn't turn out well. So, I'll say that before I get into my points. (laughs) This would be officially, I believe, the first guy to be covered twice. On the show, so I believe so. Yes, but I, you know, look, I've said on, our, on my show quite a few times. It's my show. I can do what the fuck I want. You know, it's Absolutely. your show. We could we cover <laughs> we cover Aldo every other episode. Yeah, every other one. Doing. Yeah, it's a new Aldo episode. <laughs> Aldo surfing. Can he take over the game? <laughs> but I, I do want to say. I mean, all jokes aside, I, I respect Aldo as a fighter. He's a, a legend. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, 
I am not a huge Aldo fan, though. I mean, n- not not nothing Blasphemy. against him. Just never, he's just not one of my guys, you know? Blasphemy. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, um, I mean, he's definitely a legend in the sport, you know. Part of one of the podcasts we end up talking about was, um, you know, could he be considered the greatest all-time featherweight even losing two fights to Max Holloway? And you don't even have a conversation like that if a guy hasn't put on a significant run or show in his weight class. You know, I think we agreed that Max is just the better fighter. Um, But career-wise, it's still hard to balance out who really had that better career, in my opinion. Um, You know, so it's one of those things where, yes, he's a legend. Now he's moved on when he realized, I just think 145 is just, I mean, the guys are too big for him. Um, And when you add that with similar skill level or a lot of these guys coming up with better skill level, it just doesn't make good for a good, uh, you know, matchups for him to succeed. And at least at 35, he's actually fighting guys his size now. So, you know, it, you know, kind of see what he can do now at 35. And where I agree with you, if I'm not mistaken, in the past, he's a guy that used to have some struggles making 145. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, I've been kind of using this, I guess it's a bit of a cop-out, but I've been saying it a lot lately. But I think he's just one of those odd body types to where he used to have issues making 145. Now, obviously, you can contribute some of that to evolutions of the game. It's probably nothing Mm -hmm. that like a Dolce or a legit professional nutritionist can't deal with as opposed to... You know, just guys in your gym helping you cut the weight or whatever. Right. So that might be a difference maker. But typically, most guys don't do better cutting more weight. It doesn't get right. easier to cut down even further as you get older, usually. Yeah, I agree. Most guys end up doing better going up a weight class versus down. Um, but, you know, he um, one of the things that people talked about a lot in this Munoz fight was how good physically he looked at 35, right? Um, You know, I think he finally got to the kind of muscle on his frame that he had at 45, not the size, but the type of muscle to look or whatever that he had at 45, which previous to that fight, it looks like whoever he's working with, his first fight at 35, that, um, that Marlon Moraes fight, He looked very depleted to me. And each fight after that, he looked a little bit physically better and a little bit better. So I don't know if that first fight, they still did it old school Wild Wild West and then started dialing it in. Or if that first fight, it was one of those things where he started working with somebody new and the person scaled him all the way down and is slowly building him back up. But physically, um, um, his energy, how fast he was, how he actually looked physically, uh, definitely was the best so far at, at 35 to me. So, yeah, physically, I would say he didn't look depleted. And one thing I'll give him credit for, because I usually don't like when guys' careers start going a little sideways and things get squirrely, and then they start jumping weight classes. Like, well, I'm going to go up a weight class. Well, then I'm going to go back. Well, then I'm going to go down. That always kind of is something that, I'm not comfortable with it starts to look a little desperate, you know, like you're just mm-hmm. looking for a home, looking for a win, like every, uh, it's a new start. Like, oh, I'm going back mm-hmm. down a weight class. I'm going back up a weight class. One thing I will give him credit for, if you are going to move to a different weight class, and we've seen it with Jorge Masvidal, we've seen it with, you know, a couple other guys. So when you, you can have success doing that if you commit to that new weight class. You have to right. commit to your body type, and that means even if you take a couple L's, which mm-hmm. Jose Aldo did. Same thing with Jorge Masvidal. You know, um, he looked good at 170. Then he took a couple losses because the guys are bigger and stronger. But instead mm-hmm. of just jumping back down, he committed to the weight class. 
and changed his body type and turned himself into a legit welterweight. I don't know that he right. can make 155 anymore. He's a big boy now. Yeah, I agree. You know? I agree. Um, and I think Jose Aldo might have did that in reverse. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing, but in reverse, because instead of committing to building his body up to becoming that weight class, he seems to have committed to being a leaner, healthier him. And mm-hmm. then early on, you're depleting and you're not just dropping that body. You're, you know, you're dropping water weight and you're losing muscle. But if you right. stick to it long enough where you're committed to that weight class, you can start, you know, adding, you know, some of that muscle that you used to have back. No, I, I definitely agree with that a hundred percent. And, um, I just want to say one caveat. Um, he had a robbery and a loss, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the, um, the the funny thing about it is um in all of his last few losses um the Volkanovski fight I know all the judges had it 30-27 I'm not going to argue with the judges scorecards but I think it was a lot closer fight than if you hear it was a 30-27 meaning all rounds were close even if you gave all of those rounds to Volkanovski right it mm-hmm. wasn't like he blew Aldo out of the water. But at that point in time, I think Aldo knew the writing was on the wall at 45. And, of course, we know Volkanovski went on to beat Max twice. And, you know, it, how many times can you get a title shot at a certain weight class? And then when he went down to fight Marlon Moraes, I really think he won that fight. Um, I mean, I just don't. It's hard for me to see that fight going the other way. It was a split decision, but even if you look at Marlon's face when they were holding, you know, about to announce the fight, he had his shirt up crying. Like, he didn't think he won that fight. Nobody thought he won that fight, right? But then you go and the Peter Yan fight, Aldo looked really good in that fight. He gave some tremendous body work. I want to say around the third round or so, it looked like he may have bust um, uh, uh, um, Jan's eardrum because he came out of the corner. It was like blood coming out of his ear and whatnot, right? But uh, Peter Jan, one thing that I like, he's a very, very, very composed fighter. He held his composure, held his composure. And then in that fourth round where Aldo started slowing down, and I think that was his first... Um, yeah, that was his first five rounder at 35, right? Uh, he started slowing down. And then as soon as Jan felt that, he just put his foot on the gas. He just put, and that was, um, I think that was about the, that was a pretty bad beat in that fifth round, you know, against Jan, what he was able to do. But I just think in that situation, um, he was outclassed by a guy that held his composure early and then had a great game plan to turn everything on late. And Peter Yan is a beast, no doubt about it. Really, I mean, everybody I name, Moraz is a beast. Um, I think he might need a, a sports psychologist, and he probably, he has all the skills to be a champion. It's something else that's going on that's missing. But, you know, you look at Volkanovski, Moraz, Yan, you know, the guys that he fought going up. And then, of course, his last two fights at 35 were wins so to your point I think even after the Marais loss and the Jan loss um and the Jan loss being a title fight which you know it's the UFC so we know title fights aren't given based on anything other than they decide it's a title fight because he had two losses in a row and got a title fight right that's gotta um, be that's gotta be a UFC first right no, of course not. A title no. fight off of, off a of two two loss. How many did Chell have? How many did Chell have when he fought? Uh, I have to look it up when he fought. Um, when he fought John Jones, he had uh-huh. just lost to what uh, Anderson at least once. Um, but I would have to look it up. I'm pretty sure somebody else had two losses and got a title shot. Um. I know Chell was at least coming off a loss, if I'm not mistaken, when he got the title shot with uh, with John Jones. Um, yeah, he was coming off uh, the Anderson Silva loss. 
but okay. not the not the close one, the ass whooping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it, you know it's not unheard of in the UFC. They give title shots when they want to, but it was a really good fight for the first three rounds. And if it was a three rounder, you know, maybe Young comes in with a different game plan. But if not, you know, Aldo wins that. But to your point, okay, he got devastated in that fight. He didn't say, I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to do something else. He came back better. Now, to the point that you made earlier, yes, I can't say that I'm happy that they were decision wins over Marlon Vera and Pedro Munoz, although I think in particular Munoz is still a real threat, just not, he's not the A-plus fighter that you think of, but a legitimate threat. Oh, although I think takes both of those guys out, right? But I think he looked better and better. And as we know, fighting is mental as much as it is physical. So I think he's in a rebuilding process physically and mentally, um, you know, to, to try and move up the ladder and make a run. I, uh... I mean, look, I'm never going to count anybody out, especially someone like Aldo, who's a warrior. And he did look good. But when when you look at that division, that's a tough division, man. It is. Let me ask you this question. Funkmaster uh, got the title right now, right? Yeah. Deserving or undeserving? It doesn't matter. He has the title. Right. I thought that was Just, the question. I was gonna be like, "Wait a minute, that's no, a, you can't you can't no. throw me a curveball discussion. <laughs> no, that's a whole different no, conversation." No, that's, not, that's not the question. The question would be: Let's say for some reason something happens with Jan and Aldo gets the title shot against Funkmaster. I think that's a winnable fight. I still think Jan could be a winnable fight. Uh, oddly only, enough, go ahead. It, it's funny that they, that came up because mm-hmm. getting ready for this, I was kind of looking at the rankings, and this is going to sound bizarre because I, I'm a Sterling fan. Actually, mm-hmm. look, he's, I mean, he's got a wrestling guy. I love all the wrestlers mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, when I look at the top end of that division, to me, Funkmaster looks like the most winnable fight of all of those for Aldo. Yeah, it's a it's a very tough division. But the question is how many people in that division can withstand the onslaught that he has to wait until those late rounds. So like I rewatched the um the Peter Yan fight before the podcast. He gave Peter Yan the work, especially the body work that he put in how many times he just blasted him in the in the liver area and Peter Yan took him. I don't know that many 135ers could take what he gave to Peter Yan, and I think he's slowly starting to look better, right? Um, I don't know how many of them would be able to kind of take those kind of body shots. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not I don't think that based on 135 division he could win the title and go on a run like he did at 45 but I definitely see winning the title as being a very good possibility because I don't see anybody in that division cuz I do think Peter Yan is the best in the division and he didn't look especially those first 3 rounds it's not like he looked great in that fight. And not to mention, they, if I'm not mistaken, um, beat the like the punch stats or something in that fight for amount of uh, strikes thrown and whatnot. It was a crazy, you know, fight. And so to see the, the top guy, right, uh, and once again, because, you know, we know that he lost his title due to a DQ. I think it's a... I think it it should have been a DQ, but he was winning that fight, right? He's the top of the division. So that, to me, says Aldo has a chance of beating almost anybody in the division. Sustaining it is a different, a different animal. I would say that if the UFC 
wanted to market a championship run, they could get him a favorable matchup to possibly get him a title back. I do think Sterling would be that fight. I don't personally think Aldo could beat. I mean, looking at the rankings, I don't think Aldo beats Jan. I don't think he beats Dillashaw. I don't think he beats Sandhagen. Or Font. Maybe Font. Those are all the guys ahead of him. I definitely think he can beat Sandhagen and Font. I think the only person you named on that list that's really dangerous, in my opinion, is Dillashaw. And it's it's because Aldo has an issue with guys with really good footwork and cardio. Footwork is what usually kills him. It's not it's not guys because they're good punchers or just good mixed martial artists or whatever else. It's footwork. Even if you go back to the Connor fight, it was Connor's footwork that baited Aldo in to be able to land that straight and knock him out. If you go back to Max, Max is all footwork and cardio and and you know, of course pressure because it's Max, right? But Volkanovski in that fight, if you go back to that fight, footwork, footwork, footwork. And um, um, I think I think that um, uh, Dillashaw probably still has the best footwork at 35. But anybody that's going to in any way, form or fashion end up standing or deciding to trade in any way with Aldo, I think he has a good chance of, you know, winning that fight you know once again even if i just named he the last two champions he fought right if you look at the volkanowski fight and you look at the peter yon fight i think it 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 showed that you know the yon fight didn't turn until after he gassed out right and he took a lot of abuse in that fight so the reason I think Sandhagen could beat him is I agree with the footwork thing, but I think another thing he has issues with is taller guys. So I think he struggles with guys that are taller than him, and Sandhagen is pretty tall at that weight class, and I think that could be an issue that Aldo has a hard time dealing with. You know, I can't disagree with that, right? Because you, you, so I only remember him really fighting like three guys that were a nice amount taller than him. And the issue is two of those three guys he lost to, but one, of course, named Connor. We don't know. That was one of those fights that should have been ran back. We really don't know what really happens in that fight, right? Because when you hit a guy with one punch and the fight is over, we haven't seen enough, right? So, but I still give that, right? And then we have Max. But I don't think Max's height was the deciding factor. I think it's Max because he will throw 6,000 punches per round, never gas out, and never stop throwing. And then he has range and everything else on you. The other, and also uh, the footwork, like you said. So he's a correct. combination of... Uh, he's just a matchup issue for Aldo. Yes. He's a combination of all the things that he struggles with. He's correct. He's a matchup nightmare. He was, like, built to beat Aldo. Yeah, absolutely. But then if we go to, for example, the... Um, uh, what's his name? The... Um, Hinato... What, how do you pronounce his last name? Mo, Moisan? Moisano. Whatever. Yeah. He's a big guy. He's a really big guy. And mm-hmm. Aldo, Aldo TKO'd him. And he tried to play range and everything else, but I don't think that um I don't think that he has what I don't think he plays range as good as as good as a Connor. And I don't think he had a style like Max's that really enabled him to take punches, keep moving forward, footwork, cardio. I don't think he had that. And going back to that body work, I believe he although hurt him with a body shot first, you know, and it, there's been a couple people. It's not many people that really can take when Aldo starts digging to the body that really can take those body shots. Of course, we know he put Jeremy Stevens down with a body shot. You know, um, the funny counter is Jan, if you remember, put him down with a body shot in the fourth round or no, I'm sorry. 
He dropped him and then hit him, hurt him really bad to the body on the ground in the fourth round. Then it ended that way. And then when it came back out for the fifth round, Aldo had nothing, you know. Um, But saying that to say, so it's not that I can disagree with you because two of the three guys that really had height over him won. But I think it was other factors other than height that kind of made the big difference in that fight, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I just think that Corey Sandhagen is, obviously he's not Max. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, but I think he's big and rangy. And I think I think he's a better fighter than Jeremy Stevens. I think he's a better fighter than Hanato. Um, I mean, I, I don't... Agree. I don't think that he's beat like a good, good big guy since uh, Chang Sung Jung. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't really, um, can't really disagree there. And I, I know Corey's your guy. You've been talking about him for a while. So, or to use your, your phrasing, <laughs> I know you're a Corey fanboy. <laughs> 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 but no, I think, um, I think Corey's a legit threat for anybody in that weight class. It's not that I don't think that he's a legit threat or anything like that. It's just that I think it's a, a and I think it's a more winnable fight than somebody like a Aldo. Um, because for one, you know, with Corey's size, him being so tall for the weight class, going back to the body work, Guys like that usually can't take many shots to the body, and all those going to touch the body. <laughs> you know, yeah. If it's one thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Aldo's a pioneer of working the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can almost put Aldo. He's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of leg kick guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like him, Pedro, Hizo. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. <clears throat> but yes, yeah. he will smash the body and the downside of being that tall at a weight class like that is mm-hmm. you're a skinny, skinny guy. And yeah. that leaves you very susceptible to body damage. Yeah, absolutely. So now the question, I guess that to, to answer the question, I can go first or you can go first, either one. But I actually want to answer the question. Do you think he... And I'm using air quotes. Do you think he's back? Depending on what he's back means. So, and here's what I mean by that. When we say, is he back? If you mean back as a legit championship contender, I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. But if you mean, is he back as an elite level fighter? I don't think he ever left that, that, range um mm-hmm. even in his losing streaks and his losses he's never put up a dud you know we've talked mm-hmm. about the you know we don't got to revisit the, the how close some of these fights were but those right. losses you know a lot of guys lose to peter jan volkanowski's a monster right you know what i mean so all of his losses are impressive loss. like the, the marlon marias is probably his only bad loss unless you want to go back to 2005 and mm-hmm. and he's still an elite level fighter, and yeah. that's like his worst. You know, that's his worst loss in almost twenty years. You know what yeah. I mean? You mean the Peter Yan? No, no. I mean the the Marlon Mariah. As far as where they rank as a contender, oh, gotcha. like I think okay. like a um, level of competition. Gotcha. gotcha. So gotcha. I think um, he was like the least impressive of those fighters. If I'm but not he's mistaken, still though, an elite he, level fighter. Didn't Marais, and I'm trying to remember, if I'm not mistaken, he was the number one contender for the belt and lost to, or they, they or he, yeah, he was the number one contender and fought um, Triple C for the mm-hmm. belt. And then this was the fight after that. So he, he couldn't have dropped too far, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, still a big, but, you know, when you when you reach a level of a Aldo or other people that we talk about, like in the Fallen Goat series and everything like that, I mean, once you reach a certain level to where you're even in a goat conversation, for a nice amount of time, you're only going to have the top of the top competition, right? 
you're not fighting number 11, you know, number 15, you know, not saying it can't happen, but it's not likely, you know, you got to lose quite a few in a row before you go down that far. You're fighting number one and number two and, you know, trying to get back. Um, We're not talking about boxing. There's no tune-up fights. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I agree with what you said, but some slight differences. So when I think about, and, and the biggest difference is the definition. When I think about somebody being back, if I'm talking about Aldo, I'm thinking about championship, making a run, defending titles, Aldo. That's back to me because that's who he was. Do I think he is that person or really have enough left to be that person? I don't. I think there's just too many wars under his belt. Do I think he can make a title run, however? This is where we would disagree. I do. I do think he can make a title run. And I do think, yeah, they can put some favorable fights in front of him, as you said, which we know the UFC can push you as much as they want to push you and they can give you favorable fights or like uh, I saw a stat recently uh, um, where somebody was like um, it was a, a meme that, or whatever that somebody put up I saw it on Facebook and it was like the UFC must have really hated uh, Michael Johnson and it was showing <laughs> like how many killers they gave him in a row like you got to be a champion to fight like that many killers in a row, right? And this is what's funny. I don't know if you remember this in the fight group. I remember putting up something when I think he had lost a couple already, and then they gave him Justin Gaethje. And a lot of people in the fight group didn't know Justin Gaethje because he was new to the UFC. But, you know, I remember Justin Gaethje. He first came on my radar when my uh, my guy had went over there to – um. Where was he at? He was at um uh what was what was the name of the the league that used to be it's PFL now PFL, but it was something else. Right? Yeah, but it it was called something else back then. I forget the name of it, but um he was a champ over there my guy um uh Newell, Nick Newell, who I loved watching back in the day. He he had won in the organization he was in and he went up a a, a level to go to a new organization. And he went over there. I think he won like two fights. And the prize was fighting Justin Gaethje. And Gaethje was a monster. And ever since that point, I had been watching him. And I'm like, this guy's going to be good. I can't wait till he go to UFC. And the only thing that he needed to tweak was he was one of those guys that you really can get to just brawl and throw caution to the wind. And I said, as soon as uh, – um, oh, who is his trainer? He got the same trainer as Rose. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Duke Rufus? No, no, no. Um, uh, what is the guy? If I say his name, you're going to be like, oh, him. He's like well-known, good trainer. Um, I can't think of his name offhand. I'll think of it in a minute. But um, I was like, if he's able to reel him in and calm him down, this guy's going to be Trevor Whitman. Whitman, yep, Trevor Whitman. And, uh, and sure enough, he slowly dialed him in in the UFC and um, – you know, even when you hear um, hear people or um, recently um, there was an interview uh, where your boy. Um, why am I so terrible with names? I forget everybody's name every time. <laughs> <laughs> there was an interview with uh, with uh, the Russian. Uh, what's his name? Uh, hold on. I'll tell you his name. One second. Because. I don't want to just keep skipping everybody's name. Yeah, what what uh, Khabib? There was an interview with Khabib. You couldn't Khabib remember said, the name Khabib. Yeah, I'm terrible. Listen, I listen. This has nothing to do with age or anything. I have been this way my whole life, but <laughs> but uh, uh, you have taken a decent amount of headshots. <laughs> but uh, Khabib uh, did an interview. He said. The, the person that hit him the hardest and kind of what he thought about was the toughest was Gaethje. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he said, you know, it was one of the only times in a fight, you know, he he kind of got rocked and everything like that. And then we know the leg kicks and Gaethje's a monster. But saying that to say, Michael Johnson, when he when he especially when he started talking about give me the money and everything like that, 
They said, oh, you want the money? We got a road for you to the, to the money. <laughs> you know, but they gave him like, you know, I think he had like Khabib, Portier, Gaethje, and like somebody else, like all in a row. Right. He also had uh, Benil Dariush and Nate Diaz yeah. in that. Yeah, it was like, who, who you know, it's like, so the UFC can give you an easier or a harder road. So to your point, yeah, it's possible that Jan could get hurt or something and he goes right to Funkmaster and that's a winnable fight. Or they say, you know what, let's see if he's really ready for 135 and they give him a matchup like uh, Corey or... um or Dillashaw, because I do think that those pose very different threats to him, and he doesn't even get a chance at Peter or, you know, Funkmaster for a while. So I don't think Font is as big a threat. Um, you know, Font's fast, but I just don't think he's a, 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 a big enough threat. But, yeah, I, I think he can go on a title run. I don't know that he can get the title, and I don't I don't think that he can – actually have the title and go on a run with the title. I think it's possible for him to win it. So a couple of things I want to touch on on the, the Michael Johnson is, uh, mm-hmm. so Justin Gaethje, it was World Series of Fighting is where he came over from. Yep, that's what it was. Yep, that's what the PFL is now. And he got Michael Johnson as his first fight in the UFC. Yep. After Michael Johnson was coming off a streak where he fought in a row, Edson Barbosa, Benil Dariush, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, and then Khabib. <laughs> yeah, who does that? Like, only the champion fights that many. Like, that's dog on there. Other than Nate, but Nate is always dangerous. That's dog on there. Like, fighting number one contender after number one contender, like a champ. And like I said in the fight group, most people didn't know who um, who uh, um, who uh, uh, Gaethje was, and I remember saying in the group, I was like, oh, the UFC's definitely trying to get Michael Johnson out of here now. And I remember mm-hmm. people saying, like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, they just gave him Justin Gaethje. I was like, who is he? He like He's nobody. He's new to the UFC. I'm like, you just don't understand that this guy's a monster. But, yeah, so I guess the other question would be, especially if you don't think he can go on a run, and I think I know your answer for this because you never want anybody to retire. If you don't see him going on a run, do you think it's about time to hang it up? I mean, I think he still lives in Brazil. He's made a lot of money, so I'm pretty sure he lives a nice life because I don't think the cost of living is that high there. Um, Do you think it's time for him to go ahead and hang him up or do something different or what would you like to see or would you like to see him keep fighting because he still can beat a lot of guys and basically he becomes a gatekeeper? So my thing is, it's not that I ever want to say that, you know, nobody should retire. I just feel like it's not our position to tell a guy that could still compete at the elite level that it's time for him to hang him up because I decided He's shown enough and you know, we're, we're good with that. And especially now it changes a little bit when you get into the BJ Penn category or the Chuck Liddell category where you're getting beat every time out and you're being embarrassed. Embarrassed. Yeah. That's when it's time to, to hang it up. But I do think, I don't think he'll ever hold a title again. I think he could Mm -hmm. put together a title run but I think he's a guy that's fought so many wars that I think, you know, if he gets in one of these top level fights, when the shit starts to really hit the fan, I think he's a little shop worn that he's not going to be able to dig down and find what it is that he used to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's usually a, you know, a sign that if you're never going to be the champ again and Jose Aldo is not a guy that has anything to prove, you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, so I don't know what the end goal would be. I don't know if maybe his ultimate goal is he wants to try to get that bantamweight title to try and also put the champ champ stamp on his career. 
um, because now that has become a big thing. It used to be right. winning a UFC championship was the ultimate pin in the hat, but now everybody wants the uh, the champ champ label. So yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what he's going for, but I just feel like he's never going to reach that level. Um, yeah, no, I think you make a good point. Um, I mean, I would love to see him go ahead and, uh, you know, fight for the title, win it, have one title defense and retire. <laughs> but uh, honestly, um, looking at his last two fights, part of me want to say I'd rather him retire. But a point that you always bring up, he people forget how young he is because he's been fighting for so long. So he's still relatively a young guy. He's 34, right? And I do think that he still has some fight left in him. And I agree with you. I don't think other people should say that you should retire or anything like that. Um, when I said it's always coming from a place of, I really be wanting to see the people that I really grew up watching fight and everything like that. I don't want to see them, you know, go out on the shield of like a Gary Goodrich or somebody like that. Right. And, you know, you have all type of speech problems or whatever else, or just to see people go out sad, like a, um, uh, um, nightmare like a Diego Sanchez or something like that, right? Well, okay, um, Gary although, Goodrich was going up to the Yak Arena to like my fights, doing you know what I mean, signings and you know, taking pictures for cash and stuff like that. And I definitely don't want to see Jose Aldo at that level, <laughs> yeah. But you know, he um, he ended up, I don't know, I don't, I haven't heard an update on him in quite a while, but you know, he ended up with um. Some type of bad, you know, I don't know if he ended up with Parkinson's or whatever, but when he talked about it, he said that most of the damage they said didn't actually come from MMA, it came from kickboxing. But still, you know, that's basically what Aldo does. How many fights do you see where it's a grappling match with Aldo, right? You know, guys like like him, um, he's, he's his wrestling has always been good enough to stay on his feet most of the time. And he wants to be in a kickboxing match, right? Now, if he was going to stay, what I would love for him to do is secretly start training his ass off in wrestling. He has the wrestling defense already, but train his ass off in wrestling and now surprise some of these guys and use his size and things of that sort. So now when he gets into a situation like he did in the fourth round with Jan, he takes Jan to the ground, right? Now you're transforming yourself into a very different type of fighter. And as you're getting older and trying to make a new run, you've reinvented yourself and you don't have to take as much damage, right? My issue is just watching these guys take too much damage for too long. And I really just want them to be able to talk to their kids and grandkids and tell great stories and for, you know, uh, I think we mentioned this before I mentioned it on the podcast. Um, I'm a fan of a lot of a lot of these podcasts where it's older people from an industry telling all the stories from when we grew up and everything like that, like uh, drink champs with uh, Nori and D DJ EFN and, you know, having all of these old rap, you know, conversations and things of that sort. And as more and more MMA podcasts are coming up. I would love for some of these guys that really were the early guys to have enough wits and everything to be able to go and talk. When you watch Mike Tyson's podcast, he didn't take a tremendous amount of damage, right? People may make fun of how he talked. That's just how he talked. That has nothing to do with boxing. He, he talked like he talked like that in his prime when he'd never been exactly. hurt once. Exactly. But you flip to somebody like when he had Sugar Ray and Thomas Hearns on there and Thomas Hearns can barely speak right mm -hmm. a guy another guy who I love of course being from Detroit James Tony I've had a chance to I've actually met James Tony about three different times in my life personally and James Tony has always had a certain way that he talked but it's progressively getting worse where you can tell a lot of that now is coming from damage right mm -hmm. 
I just don't want to see that. I want them to be able to go on and have conversations and, you know, and I'm a big fan of uh, James Tony, uh, by the way, but just too much damage, man, he took, you know, and, and, and getting hit too much. So that's kind of my reasoning. So I want him to either retire or transform his game to make sure going on this next run, one, he posts something different so he's a bigger threat. We know you can stand it. We know your your Muay Thai, your kickboxing is good. Give another threat and now minimize some of the possible damage you can take. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of what you said. I think another one is uh, Riddick Bow and Evander Holyfield. If you watch yeah. any of these, uh, you know these videos that are out of them, they hang out a lot and and I'm glad to see that they're hanging out and having a great time and and that's awesome. But it's definitely a little yeah. sad, especially Bow. Yes. Especially Bo. Bo More so Bo, but Evander Holyfield's a little rough too, and he, yeah. he's been in some wars out there. Yeah. Um, and, and I just don't like to see that. And and I, I've never even been a big fan of Riddick Bo, but I don't want to see any person, any fighter, any right. human kind of in, in, in that state. Now, the I think where I said that Aldo has been in some wars, and I think that could hinder him from finding an extra gear mm-hmm. to uh, put together another run. I think he's not there yet, but then to your point, maybe that's why call it quits now while you still, mm-hmm. you know, can hang your hat on this great career as opposed to waiting until, you know, you've taken some, some real damage. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I think for anybody that can withstand the, the, the body punishment, I think Peter Young gave the, the great blueprint to beating Aldo, you know, it, it, it was an issue that he had similar at 45. And as we know, just like with Connor guys that have bad issues with cardio, I've seen very few guys in any sport fix that issue. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can withstand his body punches and whatnot and take him into deep waters at 35, Peter Jan has given the blueprint. So he has to do something to reinvent himself because the blueprint is out there in my opinion. Right. I agree. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think overall, though, that fight was a great fight. I think he looked good in that fight. I think a lot of what people talked about of him looking at like Aldo of old, um, because I think Munoz is a dangerous guy, but I definitely can't even say that fight. I think style wise, he looked like Aldo of old because he looked quick he had his leg kicks in there. He had his I I don't I've never seen anybody check leg kicks like him and as easily as he do it, it's like he just pulls his foot back, right? A lot of that looked like Aldo of old, but and this is not a knock against Pedro Munoz, but it was Pedro Munoz. It wasn't the number one contender. So that always has to be a factor. I mean Pedro Munoz is now at nine. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So Well and that's where I say, yes, if he wanted to go a little longer, he could carve out a career beating up, you know, ten to five mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I totally agree. Um so yeah, pretty much for me that that sums it up. Um I think he can go on a title run. I think he has a chance to win in a title. I do not think he has a chance of multiple title defenses. I just think the division is too deep. I think you got a lot of guys with great footwork and speed. And I think the current state of who Aldo is, is going to, is going to cause him problems. So any final thoughts from you? No. Um, I think, uh, like I like to joke about you being an Aldo fanboy and that's why mm-hmm. we're doing it again, but it was an impressive performance and you're not the first person I've heard talking about, you know, is he back? Is he got another title run at him? And that just goes to show you MMA, man, you lose a fight. The whole world will turn on you. You look good in yeah. one fight. You're back, baby. The whole world <laughs> loves you again. <laughs> so true. But that's what I love about MMA because you know, you don't have as much red tape as some other things like boxing. We're literally in a lot of divisions. You're only two fights away from a title shot. 
You know, mm-hmm. you put together two, three impressive wins, you can get a title shot unless you're on, you know, the promoter's bad side. You know, you may have to go seven, eight fights straight before you can get a title shot. Unless so. you're Michael Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that wraps up another episode of the Fat Boy MMA podcast. Uh, check out all the rest of our podcasts. And, of course, lock, uh, plug the other podcasts for us. It's uh, Say Hello to the Bad Guy. It's a criminal history podcast. We have some drinks and just kind of shoot the shit. It's not your typical history podcast. It's not, you know, a lecture. It's not a deep dive. We don't talk about, it's not true crime. We don't talk about serial killers. You know, it's gangsters, cowboys. It's, uh, you know, we keep it light. It's a good time. But it's informative, too, if you're a history fan. So I'd definitely check it out. And if you're listening, you're probably an MMA fan. We got a great Lee Murray episode. We've covered a couple other guys that... You know, uh, Jack Machine Gun McGurn was a professional boxer. So there's there's some combat, you know, combat sports crossover. So definitely check it out. Yeah. And when you go over there before you listen, one thing that I have to say that is really, really, really important. Make sure you got a nice cold alcohol beverage in front of you. That's what it's, we like to do on that podcast is have a drink and talk about bad guys. So it's the best way to do it. <laughs> unless right. you're unless you're listening on your commute don't, don't drink a beer yeah, and drive don't, don't do it. exactly <laughs> all right that wraps it up for us thank you come back again that wraps up another fat boy mma podcast if you have a topic for us please email us at fatboymma 55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links dot fatboymma.com that's links dot fatboymma.com thank you for listening